hello, everybody, and welcome back to Christmas Clatter. We have a great guest for you today. He is well-known around these parts in the Christmas community. Uh, we have Brian Earl with us, um, host of Christmas Past, one of the he's, – he's not the founding Christmas podcast, but by golly, he's probably – Brian won't like me saying this, but he's probably the most important so um, of the Christmas podcast. But uh, – um, He's been instrumental in the start of Christmas Clatter, everything from my logo to teaching me how to do anything podcast. Back in uh, 2019, I felt like I, I wore him out a little bit, but uh, he's been always so kind and gracious to me um, through Christmas Clatter. It's just an honor to have him on and to, to help him out as best I can. But uh, before we get into that, um, I've been teasing the podcast. Um, uh, Christmas puzzle exchange. And for those that, that may not know, this is an exchange where you send a new uh, Christmas or winter scene puzzle uh, to someone uh, randomly chosen for you to uh, send it to. And, uh, and I always encourage you to put a Christmas card and a kind note in there as well. And what will happen is tomorrow you'll, I'll put it all over the social media as, as best I can. There will be a sign-up sheet for that, and that will be up for about a week, and then I will collect all the names of everyone that signed up, put them all in a hat, not literally, but pretty close, and pull them out randomly, and then uh, at the end of next week, send you the name and address of the person you'll be sending your Christmas puzzle to uh, via the mail, and then I ask that everybody have theirs um, mailed out at least before Halloween or, or right at Halloween. That way it doesn't get delayed in the mail too much before the holidays. And that would, you know, with the sign up being a week long and then me getting the names that gives you a, a week and a couple of days to get that done, which shouldn't be too big of a deal. So there'll be a sign up for that. And, um, and then, uh, and then we'll go from there. There's, we've always had really good uh, uh, participation in that, and it's just something I want to keep rolling along. So that's the uh, Christmas Clatter Christmas Puzzle Exchange. And uh, so be looking out for that. If you're listening to this the day the episode drops on Thursday on podcast format, it's today. Um, but for those in the live stream, it'll be tomorrow. And if you're listening on the podcast, I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you taking the time to open up your podcast player and uh, selecting Christmas clatter. I, um, I really appreciate that so much. And I uh, want to encourage you to, if you ever get the chance to bump up over to YouTube to check us out and our live streams on Wednesday night as we record the podcast and join the Christmas community we're building on YouTube as a place, uh, you know, people can gather and Celebrate the holiday we all love and just kind of give each other that little dose of uh, Christmas joy and hope um, we so very much need all the time. I believe that is all for the announcements. I feel like I'm forgetting something. And if I am, I'll make an edit right here and put it in. But otherwise, I, th I believe that is it. So everybody, um, I just want to. Say welcome back to Christmas Clatter, and this is my Christmas conversation with Mr. Brian Earl. 
Brian, before I ask you any questions about the book and everything that Christmas Clatter or Christmas Clatter Christmas Past is doing, I just want to mm-hmm. I can't say it enough. Thanks so much years ago for taking the interest and the time to help me get Christmas Clatter started. It oh, I would have sure. never I would have never dreamt that uh it would have came this far to where we're doing, you know, live stuff on on YouTube, you know, as far as Christmas. I kind of always wanted to start it on YouTube, but like I said, that you know, you were so instrumental, especially, you know, getting me started, showing me the ropes of the technology, and then even giving me my colors and my logo that I so dearly love, you know, that uh that I, I I'll I'll never change. And before we get started, I just can't I can't thank you enough for taking that time to Oh, and, not at all. And yeah. you were part of that wave from what was like 2018 or something where that's when Christmas podcasts really started taking off. You know, that's when Deck the Hallmark came along and um, Tinsel Tunes and, you know, right. all of these ones. And I was really, you know, just so grateful people were reaching out to me. I was like, you know, when I would get a, a um, I don't know, something from someone like you, I was like, okay, cool. Like, A, I'm not the only one who cares about this stuff and be there are more people who want to do it. And if I can have any part at all in helping to just build all of this, then that's what I want to do. Especially um, when it comes to shows like yours, where like you're doing something that no one else is doing. Right. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with uh, tinsel tunes and the same thing with some of the ones that are more food based, like the uh, seasons eating yeah. where, you know, that's really what I was hoping to see is someone really just carving out their own little corner. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there is a lot of, you know, movie reviews, three people reviewing the latest Christmas specials. And th- those are all fine. But, you know, what I, I was like, that's scratching the surface. There's yeah. a lot of potential. I mean, Christmas is wide and deep. It's an infinite topic. Uh, and so when people were like, oh, I'm thinking of doing something, this nerdy deep dive around like yeah. this or or that, I'm like, whatever I can do to help. Because, yeah. you know, A, that means more stuff for me to listen to. Um, but also that, you know, we're, we're building this up. And look at us now. Oh. There was a time where I was trying to create on my website, the definitive list of all the Christmas podcasts, uh-huh. because you know, this, if you have a podcast, podcast discovery is still an issue. Yeah. People look up Christmas and you know what used to be iTunes, now Apple podcasts. Um, and you wouldn't necessarily find all the Christmas podcasts. You'd find some, right. and then you'd find the Christmas episode of like my dad made a porno or like, you know, all these other podcasts yeah. that aren't Christmassy, but they're important. So they get bubbled up into the feed. And so, right. I'm going to try to help that. I'm going to try to create this list of Mm -hmm. just every Christmas podcast I can find. And then within a year, Mm -hmm. it became like untenable. They just, you know, the explosion is just, it just kept going and going. Uh, So now we're at the point where I I can't even count how many Christmas podcasts there are. It's just, it's incredible. And it's awesome to see. Yeah, it it really is. You know, and I've been interviewed uh, a handful of times just on like, not about, you know, been a guest on other podcasts that weren't Christmas, you know, kind of starting to become that Christmas guest, you know, every mm-hmm. year, which is, which is great. And a lot of them, you know, if they're YouTube based or if they're podcast based, you know, throughout the year, they're like, well, how, how did you choose such a, a niche subject that's so small? And it's like, it's not small at all, you know, nope. because, you know, like you said, you, you, you can do books and books and books just on the food of the holidays, on the music mm-hmm. of the holidays, on the movies of the holidays, on the history of, you know, just Santa Claus himself, much less the histories of all the other traditions, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think people think it's small because it's just at the end of the year, you know, but, but there's just so much tied into it. And for those that don't know, Brian, um, Brian 
started Christmas Past as a as a, a to document stories of the histories of Christmas, and he was one of the early uh, podcasts that really made an impact on a lot of people doing it seasonally with these great like. 15 to 20, sometimes 30 minute episodes just on like the history of the Christmas tree. I think he started off the whole podcast with like a a two episode thing on Santa Claus or something like that. Yeah. The three episode series. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And then, uh, and just, you know, like, you know, he did, you know, one episode that really stuck out in my mind was, you know, like the the invention of wrapping paper, you know, Mm -hmm. and and just kind of all kinds of stuff. And if you haven't, if if you haven't listened to Christmas Past, I, I I just go and mark it in your podcast player and start binging them and to get through them. Um, and last year he was able to reach the uh, million download mark, which is incredible, especially being a seasonal podcast. Mm-hmm. You know where you're not making episodes every week. You know you're making what fifteen in a, in a year, maybe or a few more than that. So and uh, so, how do you go from podcast and audio format to print? Uh, well, I think the first piece of that is, like you said, I, I and I think it was 2020 because it was the year that my my baby son was born. Uh-huh. And it was just, you know, one of the craziest years. We we're in the middle of a pandemic. We had bought a house like two months before. Uh, I had a two-year-old. I wasn't sleeping. Um, but I was putting out all, you know, a, a normal season of the podcast. And on Christmas morning, I woke up and, you know, I, I admit like any other podcaster, I, you know, I'm curious what my download numbers are. So Christmas morning, I'm like, okay, I put out my final episode. Where am I download wise? And I had crossed the, the magic number. Right? Uh-huh. I was in the millionaires club, I guess. Um, and I was like, okay, well, you know, now what? You know, yeah. it just kind of felt like a, like I crossed a threshold. I was ready. You know, there's got to be something somewhere to go from here. What might that be? The most obvious thing was a book um, for a couple of reasons. It seems to be the next career move for a lot of podcasters. Like once you build up an audience, you can then take that outside of the podcast world and say, you know, I I can probably, this could probably be viable as a book. Um, And then second of all, because my show is scripted, the book was like, you know, more than half written already. You know what I mean? Uh, or at least there was a lot of material to draw on uh-huh. already. Uh, so from there, you know, I went the traditional route. I know there's all kinds of ways to get a book out into the world now. I'm I'm an old guy, you know, so I, I wanted to do it the, I guess, what I consider the, the real way, the right way. Um, and so what that meant is you come up with a book proposal. And a book proposal is this very, very detailed, like it's almost book length itself, where you're yeah. saying, exactly what this book is that you know describing it in the minutest details saying why you think it ought to exist why you think it's going to fill some kind of gap in the market why you're the right person to write it how you're going to market it all that kind of stuff and then you find an agent uh and so Mm -hmm. i did and so then the agent um i signed on and he started chopping it around to all of the you know the, the kinds of publishers you'd imagine if when you read christmas books if you have a lot on your shelves, if you look at who publishes them, you're going to see patterns, right? There's a small handful that put out a lot. So he went to all of those and all of them said, yeah, no, now we're good. Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) But, you know, we'll be on our way now. Um, And so after a while, it seemed like maybe it wasn't going to happen. And part of me was okay with that. My, you know, like with the podcast, what excites me about it is doing the work, Mm -hmm. you know, doing the research, creating once the thing is put out there, like, I don't care about it anymore. I'm like, okay, what's next? What's right. the next thing? And so for me, it was, I think it was around October of last year, not too far off from this time, actually. It might've been like right around this time. 
and it, where it seemed like, okay, I, this probably isn't going to work out. And I remember thinking to myself, well, I feel like the experience I had getting up to this point is good enough. Yeah. You know, the fact that I put together a book proposal that I found it like, that's cool enough. You know, yeah. like if nothing else, I, I did all of that work and I'm proud of that. Um, but then my agent called and it was just random. He's like, you're not going to believe this, but um, I sold your book. <laughs> and so when a book sells in October, you know, the lead time for getting a book out is, and you write this in the proposal. It's like, it's going to take me six months to write. And I was like, okay, well then after that, it takes about six months to, you know, all the editorial stuff that has to happen. It goes through several rounds of proof. The art department has to lay it out, gets sent off to China for shipping. Then it has to land in the warehouse. Like, you know, it's, it's a long process to get a book like onto store shelves. So I said, okay, I'm, I'm guessing and hoping um, that they're going to put this out in Christmas of 2023. If they're yeah. buying it, publishers buying it in October of 2021. They're like, no, we want this come to come out next Christmas, which means we need the manuscript in like February. Ooh. You know I me mean? like a couple months from I'm like, okay, you know, I have a two year old, a really busy job. Yeah. I'm putting out my normal season of the podcast. Now I'm basically going to have, you know, like January and, and February, maybe a little bit into March to actually write all of this. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, but you know, it all, it all worked out. I got a lot of help along the way. Um, and yeah, so here we are now, but as this episode's going out, it's just a little bit under three weeks until the book yeah. launches. You can buy it today and everyone on this call, I sure hope you do. Yep. Um, but it's been available for pre-order for months now, but copies will start shipping in November. Uh, and I still haven't held a copy. I, I've seen electronic <laughs> version. I don't have, I mean, if I did, they'd be on the shelf behind me. I, I haven't touched. Uh, yeah. And that's typical, by the way, that's as, as far as I understand, I, I'm probably going to get my own copies a few days before everybody else does. Yeah. I have a lot of these, uh, <laughs> a little, <laughs> a little. Card, but that's about it. Yeah. Well, you know, usually when I have people on with books, it, it's like, if I can't get a copy beforehand, I don't really want to talk to them about it because I need to look through it. But the thing with, with you, you, I know you so well and know your writing from your podcast that, that I just knew that it was going to be, uh, you know, a great you know, addition to uh, people's kind of Chris, I call it the, like the coffee table book where you grab it and you read, you know, a history of something mm -hmm. and then you, you learn something or, or, you know, if your family's together, you're like, Hey, did you know, you know, ABC about this and, and stuff. So, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, I have no problem saying that everybody needs to to run to Amazon and pre-order <laughs> the, the book, the links in the description uh, pot for the podcast and the live stream. Uh, if you guys are interested, because I just, I just know it's going to be really great. How many, how many different stories or histories did you put in this book? I put in 25 and mm -hmm. there's a 26th chapter where I kind of talk about where I think Christmas is heading. Uh -huh. uh, and we can get into that. You know, that's kind of a big thing that comes up on the podcast is, uh -huh. you know, Christmas is always evolving, right? Yep. And so if it's always evolving, then that must mean we're living through some changes right now, yep. right? Like that. You know, and so what might those be? What are the they're the things you don't notice because you're right in the middle of them. So right. it's a bit of not seeing the forest for the trees, but certainly we're living through a lot of changes that are either going to permanently change Christmas or they're just going to kind of come and go. Right. Um, but so anyway, the idea is that each of the chapters are they're fairly short. They're and they they almost simulate an episode of mine where the mm -hmm. idea is that in just one sitting, in the time it takes you to have your coffee in the morning, you can read the whole chapter uh and sort of you know get yourself 
feeling Christmassy for the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because it's 25, it's, you know, it's a bit like an advent calendar, which is why you want to buy it now. So you have it to enjoy all throughout the season. Uh, and like you said, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a, a lot of visuals in there, a lot of little sidebars, little tidbits. So it's, it's really the kind of thing it's on the coffee table. Someone's over, they pick it up, they're thumbing through it. Yeah. Um, and you know, they can kind of get a little bit of, of information, uh, in an eye catching way and then, and then put it back down. Yeah. Yeah. That that's, that's the thing. And I, I'm going to circle back to the Christmas future because I don't know if mm-hmm. you remember the last time we, you were, we, me and you did a podcast episode on Christmas clatter. We made a prediction mm-hmm. about Christmas and I think it might've come true because the kind of, we'll get back to that. I it's remember what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think we were right on that, but uh, anyway, mm-hmm. remind me, we'll come back to that. Whether it be the book, I guess it, it's, it, it's both Christmas past and the book. Cause it's so, intertwined together it's kind of like the book is is the transcript of sorts for the podcast even though you know in a way yeah yeah you know even though there's not you know you have way more than 25 stories it's what was a couple of your favorite stories or or something that that you know histories that you uh, investigated and uncovered that just really just stood out in your mind as maybe your favorite for you know odd reasons or just because it was just so different than what you thought i think probably my favorite and it's not necessarily that i was surprised by a lot of the stuff it's mm-hmm. stuff that i sort of knew but didn't know it at the quite the level of depth that i i know it now uh is santa claus yeah. because you know santa claus is this kind of tradition you think like okay well, he must have been around forever mm-hmm. he's based on saint nicholas that was a real person from the 300s you know blah 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 <laughs> and then you realize that you know Santa Claus is really an American invention, mostly of the mid 19th century. Right. Santa Claus, as we recognize him now. But if you look through what was what was Santa depicted as in the mid 19th century, um, and there are actually early illustrated editions of The Night Before Christmas that mm-hmm. originally came out in a newspaper in New York, but then Houghton Mifflin put out an illustrated edition. Mm-hmm. And remember in, in that poem, he rides a miniature sleigh with a right. tiny reindeer. He has a little round, like he's an elf. Oh, yeah. And if you look at some of the early illustrations he 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 doesn't look human right he has pointy ears he has a nose and even today you still sometimes see santas like that and then you know through the work of thomas nast and some other uh illustrators around that time it wasn't just Haddon sunblom from coca-cola uh norman rockwell was also doing images of santa claus for the saturday evening post mm-hmm. that kind of brought him into his final iteration the yeah. one that we all recognize as santa today which is you know, he's not elfin or witch-like or doesn't have magical, not necessarily like have, you know, magical powers. He's, he's just like a guy. He's mm-hmm. like a six-foot adult human guy who looks like your grandfather who just happens to live at the North Pole. Well, all of that really wasn't solidified until about the 1930s. Yeah. So it's, it's about 90 years ago, which mm-hmm. means there are people alive today who are older than your understanding of Santa Claus. Yeah. I mean, really and truly, like, there are people oh, who yeah. were born, like, you know, they their first few Christmases Santa didn't look the way that we think of Santa Mm -hmm. right now. Um, And the reason I really love that story, you know, number one, because that's really surprising or or it's an interesting context to put it in. Yeah. And number two, it also shines a light on another huge theme that comes up again and again on Christmas past and in the book is that Christmas is way newer than you think it is. Yeah. For a a holiday that's based on this millennia old religious story and has all kinds of ancient uh, traditions built into it. The way that we celebrate it today is just maybe five or six generations old, mm-hmm. probably more like four or five generations. Yeah. When you think that Christmas wasn't even a national holiday in America until 1870, 
That's yes. almost a hundred years after we signed the Declaration of Independence. Mm-hmm. And Christmas trees didn't start showing up in people's houses until the late 19th century. And they weren't even all that common until the very late 19th century. Yeah. And part of that is, you know, in the old days, if you had a Christmas tree, it's because you went out into the tree, uh, the forest and chopped one down. Mm-hmm. They couldn't really reach ubiquity until they were a commercial crop. Right? right. So when you, when you put it into that context and think like, okay, it was probably my, someone my age, like my great grandparents or my great, great grandparents who were among the first Americans to have a Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. Like it's that new. It's like, I have pictures of those people, right? You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, it's not ancient history. It's very recent history. Right. You know, and then, you know, then the, the people that did have the Christmas tree, you know, they would decorate it with, you know, actual candles on there and then they would yeah. you know, go up in, in flames. So that, you know, that was kind of one of those things. And so really, you know, until electric lights came on to put on there, you know, a lot of people didn't do it just to keep their house from burning down, you know. And that was the other thing. You said, yeah. The um, traditions I love to explore are the ones where there's the immediate story behind it. How did this come into being? But then there's like the real story behind it where what are all of the technological and in, in societal and economic changes that also needed to be true in order for something like this to happen? Um and there are things that, that are obvious, like electricity. Christmas mm-hmm. wouldn't be what it is today if we didn't have electricity. Right. But then there's other things you probably don't think about, like refrigeration. Yeah. Um, you know, the Christmas dinner as we know it, the advances in refrigeration and transportation. Mm-hmm. You know, the reason that every American can have a turkey on, yeah. on Christmas dinner like would not be possible if it weren't for advances from the 1940s and 50s on mm-hmm. mass refrigeration and mass food delivery. Yeah, there are other things like that, like plate glass is a pretty old technology, but late 19th, early 20th century is when we have plate glass as we know it today. And that just changed what Christmas looked and felt like for people, especially people who live in the cities. Mm -hmm. Now you have these Christmas window displays. Now stopping to look at the window displays is part of like the culture and fabric of Mm -hmm. Christmas. And there are lots and lots of examples of things like that, like things that you really wouldn't even imagine would have an influence on Christmas, like postage stamps. Yeah. Um, or uh, rail travel, all of these little hidden things that I love. Those are my favorite ones to explore because those are the most surprising even to me, even as I've been doing this for seven years now and I feel like I know a lot, there's always this little rocky turnover and like, I never would have thought that there's a connection between this and Christmas, but there is. Yeah. Well, and getting back to that, uh, that wrapping paper story fits in that because it's mm-hmm. like, it was just kind of a decision made out of desperation, you yeah. know, and, and, and before you know it, you know, everybody wanted the paper with the print on it, you know, instead of just the, the plain, you know, paper that they had been using before. And, and, you know, things, just paper itself and the bit, you know, the printing press to be able to, you know, people to actually print cards or mm-hmm. uh, print the stories. And we had um, Pamela McCall on last week who's, who wrote the big, uh, wonderful book about the bicentennial of twas the night before Christmas. And, you know, we, we talked a little bit about how that poem, um, maybe influenced Dickens to, you know, in his Christmas Carol, you know, as far as, you know, shaping what Christmas, you know, uh, mm-hmm. is today because, because you're right. Christmas has been around a while, but our understanding of it is, very, very new, especially in the scope of history. When you're talking, mm. you know, 100 and 200, well, if you say 1818 Silent Night, you know, it's kind of the beginning of the modern Christmas. If you say, you know, if you count that as the starting point, you know, it's uh, just over 200 years old. That's not that 
not that long ago in this grand scheme of history. No, um, it really isn't. And uh, so it is exciting, you know, to see, you know, how this, um, how this holiday is just evolved so quickly. And I'm sure, you know, it, you know, a lot of holidays do, but it's just, it seems like we have this one is just for some reason just gets ingrained, you know, in people and, and keeping those stories alive. You know, I titled this episode Christmas past for Christmas future, because, you know, a lot of times, you know, those histories need to be kept just so we know why. Um, mm-hmm. There's a story I heard years ago in church. Um, and it talks about this, this, this mom was teaching her daughter, uh, uh, how to make a ham for Christmas. And she always cut the ham in half. So her daughter, the daughter walks up to the mother and says, mom, how come you always cut the ham in half and, you know, put it in the thing. And she goes, well, I don't know. It's because my mom always did it, you know? So when the grandma comes to the house, they go, like, grandma, why did you, you always cut the Christmas ham in half, you know, before you cook it. And, uh, you know, is it to, you know, maybe, keep it juicy or, you know, make the seasonings right or things, you know, something like that. And the grandma kind of laughs. She says, no, it's just because I didn't have a pan big enough to put the whole ham in, you <laughs> know? And so there's a lot of things, you know, that, that catch on that are traditions that are, are similar to that. That's just kind of a necessity. And then it, it just snowballs, you know, from there. And the, the flip side of all this is that for every Christmas tradition, there's the story of how it caught on, right? Yeah. And the Christmas we celebrate is kind of this curated collection of traditions from different mm-hmm. points in history. It's not the complete collection, like not even close. And it's not the final collection, right? Three yeah. generations from now, Christmas is going to look really different. Oh, yeah. Um, but for every tradition that we still celebrate today, there's got to be at least two and probably many more that we don't celebrate anymore. And right. those are just as interesting, sometimes even more. I mean, Christmas used to have a lot more superstitious rituals, a lot mm-hmm. more of child abuse, a lot more, you know, it used to be a very different game. The idea of Christmas being an entirely cozy, benevolent, gift-givey thing is is very new. Yeah. And it makes you wonder, well, I mean, if it changes again, will, will it remain? Will it remain something else? You know, people mm-hmm. always say, what's well, getting so commercial? It's just going to get to the point where it's just, it's just basically like Amazon Prime Day. You're just shopping. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the answer to that, I don't know if you've ever read Stephen Nissenbaum's The Battle for Christmas or Battle of Christmas, um, 1997, I think, book yeah. nominated for the Pulitzer Prize for yeah. uh, for history. Fantastic book. Yeah. It, actually, one of the inspirations for Christmas past. I was reading that and then wondering if there was a podcast like it. But, what, you know, what he says is, um, you know, Christmas is a really interesting cultural influence because it's basically like us doing the things that we do, right? Like mm-hmm. we're not different people at Christmas. It's just a reflection of who we already are. So if we're becoming more commercial, then of course Christmas is going to become more commercial. Yeah. And the the switch for that was when we moved from being mostly an agricultural based society. Mm-hmm. I forget the statistic, but pre-civil war is something like the majority of Americans were farmers. And then, you know, it, that all changed. We became more of an industrial society, more of the things in our home were things that we bought rather than like, you know, made for ourselves. And so obviously Christmas became more of a commerce based thing because like the rest of life did. Right. But the trick of it is it's a feedback loop. Then that kind of changes the the changes we feed into Christmas feed back into society. Like, so in other words, it's a reflection of us, but it's also one of the things influencing 
who we are and who we've become. So it's this continuous cycle. Yeah, it is. And a, a, a guy I work with, his grandmother, uh, you know, she lived in, in, in the area uh, that I do. When she was a young girl, late 30s, early 40s, they, they still did, uh, they were German family. They still did Belschnickel. You know, mm-hmm. they didn't do, you know, uh, Santa Claus traditions where, the, you know, they would, you know, her father and uncle would rattle all the windows. And if you were brave enough to stick your hand out, you get an orange kind mm-hmm. of thing. And, you know, so he he remembers her telling those stories, even though that family, you know, transitioned into the more uh, traditional Christmas traditions. And, you know, and I like I like what you're saying there is, it, it, you know, it's, it gets what we put into it because uh, a couple of years back, uh, Ken Smith, who's who's in uh, the chat here for the, he does a couple podcasts, faces to places in the North Pole News Dispatch. Uh, he had this tradition of at on Christmas Eve at midnight, he goes outside and just looks up at the stars and just has this like quiet moment, mm. looking at the stars at midnight. You know, on well Christmas morning, Christmas Eve, that that transition there. And I was like, man, that's a cool tradition. We're going to start doing that. And that's been a couple of years we've done it. And I'm like, I'm not stopping this. This is just way too cool of a tradition to start because it's just something about walking out there. And it's just, for some reason, just feels a little extra quiet, a little extra peaceful mm. as, as that Christmas Eve transitions into Christmas day. And, you know, it's a small tradition, you know, it's not a big hoopla, but it just, has really, trans, you know, and Holly go out there with me and my wife, and it just transforms the holiday for us. It's just like we look forward to it. We're like, we cannot wait to to go out there and just spend a few quiet minutes looking at the stars and mm. just kind of doing that reflection that, that you know, that Christmas seems to bring to people's, you know, you know minds. So it is true. You know, people that complain that it is um, too commercial, then it's like, well, then don't make it too commercial. You know, mm-hmm. nobody's out there forcing you to do so, <laughs> you know, so let's get back to, you know, kind of been heading that, uh, heading that way, um, too. And for those on the podcast, Art chimes in and, and, uh, says he does that too. Not always at midnight though, but, uh, I understand he's got to get to bed because he does not want to miss Santa Claus. I don't blame him there, but, uh, it is a good time, uh, for sure. And, uh, so let's talk about. Christmas future sure. and to circle back to what I teased last time he was on Christmas clatter, probably a year or maybe closer to two years ago. Um, we talked about the death of the Christmas, ugly Christmas sweater. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen a lot of them around. Not like they were. I think, I think Brian, I think we can call that that we, we were right on that one. I mean, you still see a few here and there, but you still see a few of a lot of things here and there. I don't, like I don't know. Like, I'm going to want to check on that. I talked yeah. to was it last season. Um, I forget the guy's name now, but he's the CEO of Tipsy Elves. Uh-huh. They're like a, a large, ugly sweater company. They're uh-huh. actually on Shark Tank. Um, and I was trying to ask him. He was being maybe a little cagey about numbers. It's like you uh-huh. know, where are things going? And uh, I know that they've branched out as a business, so they're mm-hmm. not just ugly sweaters now. They're more a lifestyle brand. Yeah. Um, but I would really be interested to if anyone's keeping numbers on that industry because uh-huh. it's I think it's too early to tell where things are this year. But last year I didn't really notice a dip. I mean, I think this is I 
if we look at similar trends like the aluminum Christmas tree, that got uh, about a, a decade, right? Yeah. A, dec- a little more than a decade before it, it fell off mm-hmm. and confirmed its status as a fad. The ugly sweater is like right around that point. I think the next couple seasons are going to tell us whether that was yeah. a flash in the pan or not. Part of me feels like they're such big business. Yeah. There's a lot of people who have an interest in seeing those things stick around. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not as confident as you are. I, I hope you're right, but I, I don't, I haven't seen evidence for it yet. Well, my wife who, who keeps track of the trends says they are trending, but just anecdotally, I just don't see them. You may see them in the stores, but I don't, I didn't see the of course past couple of years have been crazy with people being able to mm. get together and not get together. And that might be what's skewing my, my opinion because you know, it's like, I didn't see people doing the ugly sweater competitions, you know, that would have been something easily done online, you know, mm. for people having to do, you know, Christmas online with their families because it's just, you know, just, you know, look, look at my sweater, you know, and, and that kind of thing. But I just, I think it may be on the way down. I, uh, I was just, uh, at Bronner's last week and there was very little ugly sweater stuff there. There was, there's only one mm. ornament that I remember that even had one on there. I think it was like a reindeer with one on and that was it, yeah. you know? So I think it's the question is like, you know, is this the kind of thing that's going to peak and then still be around or is yeah. it going to peak and then disappear? Yeah. And it, I feel like it could go either way. I, I could see it, you know, peaking and then sticking around kind of as that novelty thing where you, you put a few out there because someone's going to have some kind of party where they're going to want to wear something, you know, mm-hmm. Because it was getting to where you could like go to Walmart or someplace and buy like the the ugly three piece suit, you know, oh, with yeah. the, the yeah. suit jacket and that kind of that kind of thing. So hopefully that stuff will will fade. But you know, it I was, mean, either way, that's yeah. never been my taste. I mean, you yeah. know, Christmas is such an individual thing. Whatever you right. like, you like. Um, I, I'm not a fan of them, but you know, I get yeah. it. I get why they became popular. I mean, I liked them early on, but then to me, the kind of the funny wore off a little bit. Yeah. You know, and, and, but, and I, I, you know, I'm a guy, I like comedy, but it just seemed like it kind of, kind of wore off just a little bit, but, uh, or maybe I just want to be right. So (laughs) I'm rooting for the home Mm -hmm. team. That could be a possibility Mm -hmm. too, you know? So, but what do you see as far as like, uh, uh, trending for Christmas? Well, I mean, we can probably, go back a little bit and kind of see how things have changed over the last, like, let's say 20 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, and it's the kind of thing like you, you realize in retrospect, you know, uh, Oh, we, no one goes to the store anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Shopping is totally online. We take it for granted nowadays, but that's huge. Like yeah. that is a huge change. Remember as I do, you have to go to the shopping mall. You have mm-hmm. to like carve out time in your weekends or your nights. And there was this harried rush of stuff. And it's the kind of, you know, it's the stuff of comedy and movies of like the poor dad running around, you know, mm-hmm. like that's gone. That is, that right. has been largely, if, if that's what you want, taken away from Christmas. Yeah. I will say last year and the year before with the pandemic, I wanted to support a lot of my local businesses. And mm-hmm. so I actually did as best I could go to um, in-person stores. Mm-hmm. But that has so dramatically changed Christmas culture. For better or worse, you tell me, but it's true that it has changed. The other thing, I think probably a very recent change, is tools like Skype and Zoom have been around for 20 years. But I think the pandemic 
really normalized the idea of, of like Skyping with your family on Christmas. Right. You know, before that wasn't, it's not like it was unacceptable, but it just wasn't something that everybody did. Whereas right. now I feel like it it is. And, you know, it must've been a similar thing when the telephone came out, for example, like all of us just imagine all of a sudden, now I can talk to someone on Christmas who's on the other side of the country, the other side of the world. That must've been massive. It must've felt crazy. Right. And I feel like, you know, we're living through that kind of change where that's going to become a normal part of how most people, not just a few, but a lot of people celebrate. Then you start to think of some of the trends, like you were talking like the ugly sweater, um, things that are, you know, very dramatically changing what Christmas looks like, yeah. right? And you go on social, you go to a party, you go anywhere and you see these ugly sweaters and it's, it really has an effect on your perception of Christmas. And it's, the question then becomes, is this forever or just a little bit of a, a trend. Um, and I'm trying to think of another uh, example like that. Uh, I'm totally blanking. I had one mm. ready to, so well, like, I'll switch yeah, gears. Like retro Christmas decorations are, you know, a big trend right yeah, now. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think we're also seeing changes in the culture around Christmas mm -hmm. and in, in ways large and small, like for example, over the last couple of years, there've been a you know, pretty vocal group of people who are calling out songs like baby it's cold outside. You know, mm -hmm. they say, well, you know, those lyrics aren't really in step with modern attitudes. There's also a large change in attitudes around. Uh, and I read a, a survey recently where something like 37% of Americans really truly believe that there's some kind of war on Christmas. Yeah. Uh, and regardless of where you fall on that, whether you believe it or not, the truth is like the, the fact is, that's a, tr a trend more yeah. and more people believe that. And like, it, it's having an effect on, you know, Christmas is now not that it was, hasn't, wasn't politicized before, but mm -hmm. you know, there, there's that extra layer to it. Um, and then the Pew research center did a large study. I think it was about five years ago asking people about Christmas as they celebrated today versus when they did as uh, children. And there were some findings that probably wouldn't surprise many of us. Like, you know, that uh, a lot of the adults said, they're not going to go to church as part of Christmas, even though they did growing up. Mm -hmm. um, some of them went caroling as children, but they're not going to as adults. I mean, those things are, they're not surprising, but it's just interesting to see them confirm that, you know, caroling is is kind of on its way out. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say church service on Christmas are on their way out, but, you know, they're mm -hmm. gradually declining. But some of the really surprising ones were fewer Americans actually put up a Christmas tree. It was like a double digit decrease oh, from say the seventies or eighties to now. Mm -hmm. um which is really surprising to me yeah so well, those are some oh go ahead please yeah i i remember just a few years back i have uh, some cousins that live in colorado and their youngest they were telling a story about how their youngest daughter was like hey can we decorate for christmas this year i'm like thinking you guys aren't decorating for christmas even <laughs> though they celebrate it they're like i don't know like, really you know <laughs> your kids begging you to decorate for christmas it just yeah, that uh, that just seems real odd to me, and in, in the fact that you know that 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 research shows that you know it, it's, I mean, it is what it is, but it's just like it just I guess people just you know it's a lot of work, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and I think probably one of the most pervasive trends we're living through now, and it'll be really interesting to see how this affects us long term, is we're in a golden age of made-for-television Christmas romance movies. Right. Now, this is, it's interesting to me as more, not the movies themselves. I've tried to get into, I've tried to sort of accept my fate. You know, 
I'm in this Christmas culture, right. you know, realm and, and you know, these Hallmark and now the great American family and basically everybody mm-hmm. trying to get in on this formula of these sort of like conspicuously wholesome kind of Christmas romance movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, to, to sort of remove yourself from the movies themselves and think about it as a cultural phenomenon is, is, is kind of interesting. It's like, why, why this, why now, why does it continue to grow? When is the ceiling on our interest in this? Because the, the networks keep putting out more and more and more every year. It seems like we just can't get enough of these. And you think of like when rail travel became common in the 19th century, Christmas was rebranded all of a sudden. I mean, the average person is obviously before cars. Right. You didn't go anywhere for Christmas. You know, right. if you saw a family, it was only because they lived like within walking distance or, or a oh, short yeah. ride. When you could travel for Christmas or if you lived in the city and you could get deliveries of things from the farms, like Christmas changed like crazy, like just instantly and dramatically. And the stories that were published, the short stories were all about things like that. Homecomings, like as the Yule log burns, which I I actually read and narrated or no, actually Ricky Meese narrated that on my Mm -hmm. podcast is the story of this grand homecoming. And a lot of stuff from the 19th century reflected that. And then you look at, you know, some of this, I don't know, the Christmas stories that we grew up with in the 70s or 80s, a lot of them just reflect the time, just stuff going on. Like, is Christmas becoming too commercial? Um, are, are kids too obsessed with, like, gizmos and gadgets? Right. I remember, like, a, a lot of those kinds of, uh, of, like, TV specials from the 80s. And so then we get into the 2000s, and it's like, all right, cheesy romances for everybody, mm-hmm. like, just more than you could even handle. You know, there are more that come out during the season than you could possibly even watch. Mm-hmm. And this isn't a criticism of them at all, but like they're throwaway. Like th- these aren't classics. You're not going to watch yeah. this again next year. None of these is going to be the next. It's a wonderful life. Yeah. This is a flood of content so that you always have something in the background. Mm-hmm. And I've actually met some screenwriters who've done Hallmark movies and they say that that's a rule. There has to be some kind of Christmas signifier in every scene. Yeah. Every scene has to, there's got to be lights or a tree or something in the background so that when this thing is playing, in the background, it, it's part of like the Christmas wallpaper. Yeah. Um, but I really wonder you when, why is this happening? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, why, why do we want these kinds of movies? Why do we want so many of them? Why is everyone trying to get in on it? And when is it going to go away or is it going to, mm-hmm. you know, is this, are we living through the time where these are the kinds of stories we most associate with Christmas and this is the way that we want them told because there's lots of ways to tell a romance story, right? And there's lots of ways to do a Christmas romance. We want this particular formula mm-hmm. of, you know, they're not quite rom-coms. And again, like they're, they're very chaste, very conspicuously wholesome um, without saying it. They're a little on the conservative side of Christmas, or a lot of like preserving traditions and small town Christmases yeah. and things like that. But, you know, again, they're not overt about that. It's kind of, you know, more suggested. Um but it's exerting such a strong influence. Like if you look, you know, go into Google news and just type Christmas, mm-hmm. all the hits are about like who's starring in this year's Christmas movies. Like most of the media produced about Christmas every year is about these movies. Yeah. Uh, and so that to me is what I find the most interesting, whether I like the movies or not, which I, I don't really love them all that much. I find it fascinating that we're in this just, gold, I don't know if you want to call it a golden age, but uh, an age where there were just a lot of these movies. And what does that mean for what Christmas feels like to us? Yeah, that's an interesting 
That's some that's something I'm gonna dive in a little bit deeper, I think. And, and you just brought it to my attention. It's like why are they so popular? Because early on in 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 the podcast of Christmas Clatter, I answered uh, you know, I said that Hallmark movies were, you know, vanilla ice cream. You know, mm-hmm. because that's by far and away the most popular flavor of ice cream as far as sales, but it's like the most boring too. And then, you know, and the reason it's popular is because you can do whatever you want to with it. If you want to throw candy on mm-hmm. it, you can. If you want to throw syrup on it, you can. If you want to eat it plain, you can. You know, and, and people people do that. But the the deeper societal question of why they're so more why they're so popular, that's that's something I'm I'm gonna be thinking about and, and doing something on because that it that it is true. Is that, you know, there's a whole, you know, my oldest kid's nineteen and mm-hmm. You know, I'm not sure when Hallmark started, you know, playing movies. Garage door open, sorry. <laughs> I don't know fine. if you can hear that. <laughs> no, that's fine. And, uh, but, you know, she probably doesn't really remember Christmas without wall to wall Hallmark on TV. So that, that is an interesting question. So I really like your thoughts on, you know, what you're thinking, how Christmas is moving and shaking. How about for Christmas past? You said, once you do something, you like to be like, well, it's done and move forward. Well, mm-hmm. you have a very successful podcast. You have a book that uh, I just know is going to be very successful for you. So what's your plans for Christmas past? Um, I honestly don't know. I mean, I, I was worried that, you know, you put the book out and then do you guys want to meet Baby Dash, by oh, the way? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Sure. Okay. Hold on. This was not planned at all. But hey, that's okay. <laughs> come on, pal. You want to be it? Come on, pal. You can come over. Can you hear him? Okay. Well, <laughs> okay. Hang on. Come on in, pal. Hey, buddy. Did you have a good walk? Oh, you want to say hi to Uncle Todd? Hey. Hey, Dash. Is he in hey. the shot? Uh, no, no. Other direction. There you go. <laughs> hey, Dash. Go. Hey, Dash. <laughs> okay. Oh, no. good job. <laughs> off you go. Off you go, baby Dash. He's a cutie. Hi. <laughs> He's just getting back from his walk. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh did well there with that no, one. I mean, I, I was worried that, you know, the book comes, you reach the download threshold, you mm-hmm. write the book, and then I, I'm worried that, like, that's it, right? Mm-hmm. And there's nowhere else to go after this. And, right. you know, there's always another book. There's always something else. But I'm always, you know, I'm going to keep doing the podcast. But right. there's always got to be, like, the next thing and the next thing. Yeah. The cool thing is with this book, uh, it's opened up a, a pretty nice uh, amount of opportunities for me. I'm mm. going to be doing some talks here in the Bay area. There's oh, nice. a museum called the Ainsley house uh, that has like a, it's like a historical house museum yep. where I'm going to be doing a talk there. I'm going to be doing a library talk in Stoughton, Massachusetts, where I'm from. Uh-huh. Um, I'm probably going to be appearing at Christmas con. We're, we're kind of talking that out. I may or may, it, it depends. It's too yeah. early to say, um, but there's a decent chance. So a lot of that stuff is happening, which is fun. Um, I mean, almost certainly there, there could be another book and then you sort of have to think like, well, okay, where else do we go? I always keep in mind, you know, look, it's, you know, the same struggles of having a Christmas podcast. You have your people who listen year round and reach out, but the Mm -hmm. truth is 90% of the activity is during the Christmas season. And that, that makes sense, right? Like I, I, it's not like I'm trying to change that 90% of your opportunity for audience growth happens within those six weeks. Mm And, and, you know, now I have a two-year-old and it's, it's kind of a different 
game now doing a podcast when I have a baby and I'm trying to get everything done before Christmas so that I can actually enjoy Christmas with my son and, and rest a little bit and things like that. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen next year or the year after that. I, I certainly have plenty of material to do another book yeah. uh, and then we'll see if that could translate into anything else. Oh yeah. I just want to encourage each and every person to go, you know, uh, pre-order this on Amazon links in the description. Uh, I think mm-hmm. November 1st is the date it's set to release. Those are always, yep. those can always change a day or two. So I hope not. Yeah, I, I hope not either. I, I, hope I, that, I hope that's right. And, uh, in, in support, Brian, he's, he's always putting out, you know, top, top notch content and always doing things, you know, uh, very, very well. And, uh, for those on the listening to the podcast, um, you know, just want to encourage you guys again, maybe to, pop on over to the live stream when, when you're available, because once we end the, the episode here for you guys, there will be uh, a special Q and a with, with Brian for those that are in the chat. So mm-hmm. I just want to encourage you guys to do that. I also want to remind everybody about the, my Christmas planner um, that I put out this year. It's still available on Amazon. It's Christmas live slash planner. It's like nine bucks on Amazon. Get your, get your holidays in order. And uh, that way you can t- stress take the take the stress of the holidays out of your mind and put it on paper it's just uh just a benefit for life in general even uh even uh you know the the you know holidays or whether it be winter break or goals in your life or whatever it is so um brian let everybody know where they can find you and christmas past yeah probably the best place to go is christmaspastpodcast.com uh, that's where you'll find links to all my socials and all the places you can find me. You can find the podcast wherever you find podcasts and you can find the book wherever you find books. All those links will be in the description. So everybody will be a tap, tap away uh, from Brian. Um, man, thanks so much for joining me here on Christmas Clatter. Oh, my pleasure. All right. And uh, guys, thanks again for, for being here. And remember, keep Christmas hope alive every day. <laughs>